Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, it's so nice to be here. Um, I was thinking back, when was the first time I was here? The last time I was here on a Sunday morning, because Daniel's my, my brother, the last time I was here was when Daniel came to university that first time. So that was a long time ago. Um, and we sat right at the back. And now look at me up front row. That's some steady progression, that is. Some steady progression. Um, no, it's a real real joy to be here. Um, and like Andy said, I'm uh, one of the pastors at CLC in Birmingham. And um, really, I shouldn't really be surprised that me and Daniel are pastors because uh, from an early age, you know how kids pretend to be doctors and things like that? Yeah, we pretended to be pastors. <laughs> Not even joking. We used to like baptize each other in the front room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so it's really no surprise that this is where we are uh, today, but it is such a privilege and such a joy and a blessing, you know, uh, to say that this is what we do um, and we, we take it seriously. Um, but it is a real joy to be here. And I want to talk to you this morning about this one word, devoted. It's really hard to say that in a northern accent, isn't it? <laughs> devoted. Um, I felt the Lord speak to me about it a few weeks ago, and I've just been thinking about what this word actually means. And um, truthfully, we're devoted to a lot of things, aren't we? You know, if you're married, hopefully you're devoted to your husband and wife. Husband or wife, not both. <laughs> Off to a strong start. <laughs> uh, if you've got kids, then hopefully you're devoted to your kids. Um, but there's lots of things that we're devoted to that we perhaps don't acknowledge, like our phones. Mm-mm, ooh, <laughs> I got some ooze. Um, we are, aren't we? We're devoted to our phones. It's the first thing we reach for in the morning often. Um, we're also devoted to the gym. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I'm more devoted to the Chinese takeaway. That's two doors down. <laughs> Helping local businesses. <laughs> Um, But we're devoted to all sorts of things, perhaps without even realizing. But today, just quite simply, I want to remind you that there's only one worth devoting your life to, and that is Jesus. And there might be some people here today who maybe you're making up your mind about Jesus. And well, if that's you, I love people like you. If you're making up your mind about Jesus, my prayer for you is that by the end of this, you'll be so compelled by Jesus that you'll want to devote yourself to him. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, which I can imagine there's some people here that you can say that of yourself, well, my prayer for you is that um, you might redevote yourself to Jesus all over again. Because I've been in church my whole life, and you know what I've noticed? Is that you have to constantly realign your heart to the truth of Jesus. Often we become so familiar with church, but yet so unfamiliar with Jesus. Oh, I didn't even write that down. (laughs) And so my prayer for you is that you would redevote yourself to him all over again. Because I have to do that all the time. On a daily basis, I have to surrender my life to Jesus every single day. And so um, that's where we're going today. Is that okay? because I've got nothing else. (laughs) We're in for a fun morning, aren't we? Um, Let me just pray at the start. Is that okay? 
Uh, yeah, Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. And God, I just ask that you might speak to us this morning, that you might make your presence known here, that there'd be such a weight of your presence, Holy Spirit, even now, Jesus, um, would you just make yourself known to every single person here today? Amen. Okay, so I want to look at Mark 14. So if you've got your Bibles, don't be shy. If you've not got your Bibles, don't worry, I'm going to read it. Um, but Mark 14, and it's from verse 1 to 9. I'll read it, and then I'll explain it. Okay, so it says, Mark 14, 1 to 9. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is one of my most favorite pieces of scripture. I absolutely love it. It is my favorite. If you like me and someone's reading at the front, I usually zone out and start wondering what I'm going to have for tea. So let me just explain the story. So Jesus is at his friend's house, Simon the leper. That's what we, we know of him. And whilst Jesus is there, this woman comes forward with this expensive jar of perfume. She breaks it before the Lord and she uses it to anoint him. And Jesus defends this woman as everyone's making fun of her. Jesus defends her and says that she did what she could. And wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. And so I'm going to use this story to show you today how we can live devoted to Jesus. And my first point is, Jesus, your closest friend. Oh, you know how like sometimes it's good to crescendo to a final point? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, Jesus might come back in my second point. You don't know, do you? So <laughs> I'm just going to go all in straight away. Um, but my first point, Jesus, your closest friend. It says in verse 3, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. He wasn't in the home of Simon the Great, Simon the Wealthy, Simon the Righteous. No, he was in the home of Simon the leper. And it's interesting, I did some research. Um, and basically, there's so many Simons in the Bible that they had to distinguish this one. And so they called him by his illness, which for some of us is our worst nightmare. <laughs> so many potential jokes, I'll, I won't say any of them. Um, <laughs> but he was called Simon the leper because that was his story. It's likely, I mean, this is what commentators say, it's likely that he doesn't have leprosy now because he's with Jesus and we know what Jesus can do. 
but it's more likely that it was the story of his past. And the story of his past for so many people defined him today, that they called him Simon the leper. There was so much more to him than that, but they called him Simon the leper. Um, often we know, you know how like you know yourself better than a lot of people do. And sometimes the story of our life can often leave us thinking either really highly of ourselves or really poorly of ourselves. We're in a society where we're really good at labeling just about everything, have you noticed? Everything and everyone, we've got a label for everything and everyone. And often we allow ourselves to be shaped and defined by people's opinions of us. But the good news this morning is that Jesus sees right past all of that. Jesus sees your past, he sees your present, and he's very aware of your future. And at no point is Jesus put off by it. He sees the dark places of your heart, we all have them. He sees the greatest mistake you've ever made. And he doesn't turn your back on you. In actual fact, he's not repelled by you, but compelled to come and meet you in it. That is the Jesus of the Gospels. And so whatever your story is today, we all have one. Whatever it looks like, whether you think highly of yourself or really low low of yourself, the truth is, is that Jesus today is seeking after you. I'm constantly surprised by Jesus. Are you? No, just me. I'm constantly surprised by Jesus. I've walked with Jesus my whole life. In fact, I used to want one of those really good stories. You know, you might have one of these. You know when people say, oh, I was an alcoholic and then I found Jesus. I used to think, oh, I'd love a story like that. Um, (laughs) And in fact, I remember saying to Daniel when I was younger, like, are you ever jealous of those people that have those stories? And he just quietly put me in my place and, and said, you know, Jesus is part of our DNA. And I was like, oh, yeah, he is, yeah. So I, I've walked with Jesus my whole life. I can honestly say that there's been times I've not done that very well. Yeah, there's times when I could have loved him a little bit more, you know. Um, in fact, I'm here today not because of my own faithfulness, but because I've relied on the faithfulness of God to get me here. Um, and so I've walked with Jesus my whole life and I've been constantly surprised where I find him. And at the start of the Gospels, Jesus um, surprised people because he would seek out the broken, the flawed, and often the very ordinary people of society. And he would actively choose to be with them. And the righteous Pharisees had something to say about that, you know, and they judged Jesus for that. And yet here, just a few days before his death, Jesus is found in the home of Simon the leper, an outcast, a nobody of society. That's where Jesus chooses to dwell. And that is because Jesus, quite simply, is here to seek and save the lost. And the same Jesus that we read of the Gospels is the Jesus today who is seeking after you and seeking after me. Um, I uh, went to Wix the other day. <laughs> you know Wix, don't you? Yeah, 
Someone nod along, so I know that we're all alive. Yeah. <laughs> so in June, I bought a house. Ooh. And it really is a miracle. I just, if you're interested in hearing that story, I'll tell you. But um, it's just an incredible story of the faithfulness of God. I stepped out and put some. I put an offer down on a house, and I couldn't afford it. And Jesus came, and he met me where I was. And I got the house. It was just incredible um, provision of, of God. But anyway, so it's a fantastic house. I love it to pieces. But it needs some TLC. Do you know what I mean? Don't we all from time to time? <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> No, it needs some care. It just needs someone to look after it, you know. And the kitchen and the bathroom in particular are great. Um, in fact, I was upstairs the other day. It was at night. I was living on my own at that point. I've got a housemate, but I was at that point living on my own. And it was uh, late at night, and all of a sudden, I heard this bang downstairs. Oh, I was sweating. So I got myself right with God. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I came downstairs, and um, two, two tiles had fallen off the kitchen wall. And I just took that as a little sign that it's time to get a new kitchen. Um, so I went to Wix, because I just figured that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, clearly, I, I looked out of place, and um, this man had pity on me. He's called Richard. Um, he's probably in his late 40s, I reckon. And he's a right chatterbox. So he sat down, and he you know, helped me figure out what I need and things like that. And um, he was talking to me for about 20 minutes. And I thought, I'm going to have some fun here. So I said to Richard, I said, Richard, guess what I do? And he started to guess. And I said, oh, look, we're going to be all day. Let me just tell you. I said, I'm a reverend. He went, you're not. I went, I am. He went, you're not. <laughs> that went on for five minutes. Um, <laughs> and um, he said, you know, I've been seeking after something recently. I said, oh, have you? He said, yeah. He said, in actual fact, it was only the other week I said, God, if you're there, give me a sign. And he said, and then I stepped outside and I saw this church and the moon was shining and I thought, God's speaking to me. And he just, he carried on telling me that ever since then, you know, God's just been revealing himself to Richard. And it dawned on me on that moment that whilst Richard had just made up his mind to seek after God, God had been seeking after him his whole entire life. We get it the wrong way around, don't we? We think if we start to pursue Jesus, then he'll pursue us. But the truth is, he's already pursuing you. And the reason why we can live devoted to Jesus, quite simply, is because he is already devoted to you. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. <clears throat> His face is turned towards you. His love is directed towards you. He sees everything about you. He sees your past. He, he knows the future. And still, he's not put off by it. He's not turned away from it. He is directing, actively pursuing you. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter whether you think you're the worst sinner that's walked on the earth, you're probably not. But if you feel like that, Jesus is not repelled by your story, but he's compelled to come and meet you in it. This is the good news of the gospel, that today your closest friend is Jesus Christ himself. Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> that is the truth of the gospel. If only we'd open our eyes to see. 
that he's already pursuing us. Okay, point two. <laughs> Are we all having a good time? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, point two. Jesus, your righteous defender. Well, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, let's read it together. Verse three to eight. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. And then he says, she did what she could. Oh, do you know, to hear Jesus say that, she did what she could. What a remarkable thing to have Jesus speak over your life. So we know that Jesus is reclining at the home of Simon the leper. And then comes this woman. We don't even know her name. We don't know anything about her. But she sees an opportunity to love Jesus. And she takes it with both hands. You can imagine the scene, you know. Jesus is up chilling with his friends. And this woman knows that actually this is her opportunity to worship Jesus. This is her moment to pour out some love and affection. And so she grabs the most expensive thing that she has and she rushes to Jesus. It wasn't a private act. It was very public. Everyone saw it. And she poured out her love and affection to Jesus right there and then. And whilst everyone around her is pointing the finger, telling her she did it wrong, she shouldn't have done that, she drowns out all of those noises to focus on this one opportunity she has to love Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He defends her. We all have um, an accuser voice in our life. You know, it often sounds like you're not good enough or you're too far gone or you know, this doesn't count for you or, you you know, Jesus could never come to you. There's an accuser voice all the time. And that voice is there to try and to get us out of the race. You know, the Bible says um, that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so we all have this accuser voice that often we find ourselves tuning into. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has silenced the accuser. Amen. Um, I lived in Beeston. You know Beeston. Yeah, I lived in Beeston for a couple of years. Um, but that was when I was in my early 20s. Um, and when I was there, I met this girl called Becca. I know, I know it's the same name, but she is real. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> um, and yeah, I quite, I quite liked her, you know. We got on quite well. She was very opinionated, and that was often quite scary. Um, so sometimes I'd just agree with her, even though I didn't agree with her, just because I wanted an easy life. <laughs> uh, we all know those people. Um, <laughs> and her story is one where she used to follow Jesus. 
and then she went to university and I don't really know what went wrong but something did and then she turned her back from Jesus and hasn't been following him since and um, anyway I decided to really invest in Becca and our friendship so one day we decided to play tennis Ooh, it rained so we sat in the car praise the Lord um, <laughs> Uh, and whilst we were in the car, um, really randomly, she turned to me and she said, um, I know God will judge me for the things that I've done. And it caught me off guard. I couldn't quite believe it. And I just uh, read something by someone called Brennan Manning. He's a remarkable preacher. Um, and his teachings like really transformed me, really, in the way that I, I see Jesus. Um so I just, I just read some stuff about Brennan Manning and I felt God had prepared me for this moment. So she turned and she said, you know, God will judge me for what I've done. And I said, mm, no, I'm not sure. She went, of course he will. Of course he'll judge me. He'll stand before me and he'll, he'll point the finger and he'll judge me. And I said, oh, I don't think he will. I said, I actually think that on that day when you stand before God, that he'll say, did you know that I loved you? Did you know that I really, really loved you? And at that, she didn't say anything. And she stared out the window for a while and we sat in silence. And I look back at that moment and I, kn I know that Becca had listened to the accuser voice too much. And she'd stopped listening to her righteous defender. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he took every single sin, every shame, and he nailed it to the cross. And he says, it is finished. He dealt with it there and then. And at that point, the accuser probably rejoiced because Jesus had died. But three days later, he was raised to life. And through his death and his resurrection, he's made a way for me and you who get it wrong all the time to have relationship with our heavenly father. And Jesus today is your righteous defender. And you get access to God, not because of your good works, however good they may be. <laughs> not because you've not sinned in two hours. No. You get access to God through faith and faith alone. And if you believe today that Jesus is everything he claimed to be, then you have access to God. And he is today your righteous defender. There's this illustration, I, 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 I don't know where it's from and I don't know who said it, but of a courtroom scene and, you know, we're standing in the box and um, the accuser is saying, what about that sin? What about this sin that you did five years ago? And Jesus stands and says, not guilty. I paid for that. Not guilty. I dealt with that. Not guilty. Not guilty. Because he is our righteous defender. And today, you and I get to share in his victory. Because of what he has done, we get to share in his victory. Today, you are righteous and holy through the work of Jesus Christ. It is incredible. And so every time the accuser says, you're not good enough, Jesus says, I made you good enough. And every time the accuser says, 
What about that sin that you did all those years ago? Jesus says, I remember your sins no more. Jesus today is your righteous defender. And you can pour out your love and affection to him because you know that in your heart, he is defending you. And that's what I see in this story. This woman who poured out her love and affection to Jesus and Jesus stands and he defends her. I think it's going well, don't you? <laughs> Sorry, I just have to fill the silences. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay, <laughs> my third point. Is Jesus the greatest legacy of your life? Jesus says, Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I actually felt the Lord really speaks to me about legacy when I was preparing this for you guys. So I, I just like pray, Holy Spirit, that you might speak in this moment in particular. Um, amen. So legacy is the thing that we leave behind, isn't it? It's more than just a financial thing. It's the thing that people remember of you after you're gone. And quite simply, we all want a good legacy, don't we? Yeah, I know I do. Um, we all want a good legacy. Um, they actually, like historians believe that this alabaster jar of perfume was a family heirloom. Yeah, they act, because of the alabaster, typically alabaster was passed down from generation to generation. And so this alabaster jar of perfume, did that go out then? Was it okay? That alabaster jar of perfume was actually something that would have been passed down from generations to generations. It was a family heirloom. It was the legacy of her life. It was more likely as well that it was going to be the thing that she would pass down from generations to generations. And here, um, knowing full well what this was worth, she breaks it before the Lord. So she sees an opportunity to worship Jesus. She sees an opportunity to devote herself to him. And she grabs not only the most expensive thing, but the most valuable thing. The thing that she treasured most. It was her security. It was a thing she was going to fall back on. But it was also the thing that she was going to pass down when she's gone. This was the legacy of her life and she broke it before the Lord. And when you place your life in the hands of Jesus, he does more with it than you could ever ask or imagine. Jesus knew the cost. He was so aware of what this woman had just done. He knew that it cost her everything. And he declares that wherever the gospel is preached, the story of what she has done will also be told. We don't know whether she knew that she was anointing him for burial. But Jesus allowed her act and her um, devotion actually to play a part in a much bigger story, the greatest story ever told. And when you allow yourself to live devoted to Jesus... He allows your life to become part of this kingdom building work, this greatest story that's taking place. And when you allow yourself to fall in love with Jesus, 
And this is the bit that I really like. When you devote yourself to Jesus, and when you allow yourself to fall more and more in love with him, actually you realize that you don't want your legacy to be about you. You want it to be about Jesus in you. Legacies come and go, to be honest. But Jesus remains through every generation. And his love, his redemption, and his sacrifice is pursuing people today. And so you don't want your life to be about you. You want it to be about Jesus in you. And you want, well, I hope that you want your life to be about pointing people to the truth of Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that remains. This woman isn't named. We don't know much about her. But what we do know is that she was so compelled by Jesus that she was willing to pour out everything that she had. And in return for that, Jesus allowed her life to point to the greatest story ever told, the story of his death and his resurrection. What we see of this woman is not that she did a foolish thing, but that she willingly poured out all she had to Jesus because she was so devoted to him so compelled by him that she couldn't withhold anything because she had to give all she had to him. And like I said, legacies come and go, but the story of Jesus lasts forever. And so today, you could hold on to your life really tightly. You could do that. Or you could allow yourself to be placed in the hands of Jesus and trust that he will do far more with your life than you could ever even imagine and so that's why we can live devoted to him because first and foremost he is your closest friend and on the days when you're working out whether I want to be devoted to Jesus Jesus has made up his mind about you and he's choosing to be devoted to you you can live devoted to him because he is your righteous defender that on that day when you stand before God, Jesus will declare of you not guilty. I paid for that sin, not guilty. He is your righteous defender. And he, quite simply, is the greatest legacy of your life. And so today, don't hold on to your life so tightly, but allow it to be placed in the hands of Jesus and just see what he can do. I can honestly say, that after walking with Jesus my whole life, I can say that walking with him is the greatest joy that you could ever experience. And I say that to the Christian and to the non-Christian today, because we have to be daily reminded of that truth, that it is all about Jesus. Always has been, always will be all about Jesus. Why don't we pray together? I'm going to ask um, Rob. Why don't you just um, Why don't you just start to talk to Jesus yourself? You know, you don't need me to do that for you.
I just sometimes like to imagine Jesus is right in front of me. What would I say to him? How would I respond to him? If there's anyone here and you just want to say um, yes to Jesus for the first time, if you want to, and it might not be and that's okay, but if you want to live devoted to Jesus for the first time, then everyone's got their eyes closed. I just want you to uh, put your hand in the air. Um, if you want to live devoted to Jesus, that's for the first time you're making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. My prayer for you is that right now, Holy Spirit would come and fill your heart and your mind. That right now, you might just experience the weight of God's presence on your life. And as you experience his presence, that the voice of the accuser would become so small and you might start to listen to your righteous defender. And we say thank you today, Jesus, that there's people that are saying yes to you for the very first time. And God, as they've made this decision, I pray that you might take them on the greatest adventure they've ever experienced, Jesus. And I just feel like as well, if there's anyone here and you want to redevote your life to Jesus again. Again, everyone's got their eyes closed. This is between you and God. That's why people have got their eyes closed. But if you want to redevote yourself to Jesus, then I'd just love it if you could just put your hand up so I can pray for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And my prayer for you is that right now you would fall in love with your first love all over again. That Holy Spirit, you might come and rest on every desperate heart. And God, as you see these hands, they've made this decision to redevote their life to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a rush of your presence to fill their life. And that this time there would be no going back. But you'd seal something in this moment that says, I am forever going to be pursuing you, Jesus, because you are forever pursuing me. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here this morning. That you're good, you know, God, you're really good, you're really kind, you're really faithful. And you show up, Jesus, and we say thank you for that. And um, God, right now we decide in our hearts that we're going to live devoted to you. No going back, Jesus. It's all about you, God. And we place our life in your hands all over again. Amen.